Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Hallelujah. Thank God. While you are standing, lift your hands toward heaven, and let's just thank God. Father, we thank you that nothing is possible without you. You are Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Everything in between, you've got that too. And so, Father, thank you that you've got us in your hand and that you have a plan for each one of us, man and woman, boy and girl. Father, we thank you that you want us to take this good news to the entire world and father help us this day as we go through the word not to just be hearers of it but to also be doers and in you we're going to continue to live move and have our being and it's in Jesus precious name we pray and all of God's people said amen, amen. alright greet your neighbor on your way down glory to God Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I want to thank you personally. You know, Pat, Miss Pat just indicated that we were just getting back last night from North Carolina, and we did uh, make a quick journey down there, and she didn't inform you that she had a brother who was in a, a very severe accident, and... Um, But God is great. You know, angels of God are in camp. This is why it's so important for you to be praying for your family. Because every day of their lives, every day of your life, the devil is attempting to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Accident so bad that, you know, he owns and helped operate a food truck, and he was driving that. And it just, we call those things sway bars, and it just... Uh, uh, seemingly dis disintegrated and so you can't stir the car you can't stop the car and it careened off of the road and into a tree cutting the truck in half practically and there was damage to his ankle severe damage and to a knee and so yesterday you know and Friday just kind of helping him to get settled back at home George has been a bachelor all of his life and you know when you cannot walk you need somebody to get you around. You get somebody to move you. And so uh, part of that, I think God has had, had us in there just kind of just encouraging other family members to understand the severity of it. Do you know we're supposed to encourage one another? And sometimes you have to go an extra mile. And that was an extra mile for us. You know, and not only did we do some things that Friday morning, I think I was up with the women at 5 a.m. that morning, but yet God says, uh, you need to get on this road. And then uh, last night, we were there much longer than I wanted to be. You know, I said to Miss Pat, I said, uh, by 1 o'clock, we're going to be coming back to Maryland. Uh, 1 o'clock came, 2 o'clock came, 3, 4, 5, 6. But praise be to God. I laugh because Miss Pat, normally when we're riding and driving, she goes to sleep. <laughs> she didn't go to sleep. I think she wanted to make sure I didn't drive over 70. I sneaked in a few miles above that, which she did kind of drift off. But God got us back safe. God has got us back with grace. 
And so yesterday I, I was, um, my brother-in-law said to me, he says, I want to go out and get some sun. You know, it's good to get vitamin D. And so I got him in his wheelchair and went pushing him out. And uh, he's known in his neighborhood. And so people were coming out and greeting him because he had been hospitalized for a while. And there was one person who happened to be a groundskeeper there. And he came out and he says, oh. And he was beginning to talk. And through conversation, folks, I've said this like this. How many of you know those knit sweaters that people used to knit, or croquet, I guess is what you call croquet? And crochet, oh, give me the right word, say croquet, huh? Crochet. And, and you know, when a string is loose on a garment like that, the first thing they will tell you is don't pull it. Because if you pull it, what happens? Now, I want to give you a flip side of this. When human beings come to you dangling a string, pull it. Because there's something more. So here's this man. He, he's there, and, and his focus is to, you know, greet my brother-in-law. And, and, and it was just pleasant to see that interaction. And so uh, through conversation, I would learn that he was a retired uh, state trooper from Maryland, had lived in Gaithersburg, had now removed to the Raleigh-Durham area, and had been down there for the last two years. Through further conversations, how many of you know relationships are important? And you build relationship by giving an attentive ear. You know, the Bible says, he who has an ear to what hear, God's saying something to us. And likewise, human beings are saying something to us. And we've just got to take time sometimes to just stop and listen. And so as he continued, I would learn that he was from Gaithersburg, Maryland. He had been a state trooper. We would engage, and he, he, he started talking about military, and I indicated that, yes, I had been in the military. My brother-in-law also had served in the Army. And so we had that in common, and he would say, thank you for your service. You hear that. And I don't just want it to be a common statement people make. It, it really ought to come from the heart when you say to somebody, thank you. And it was coming genuinely from his heart. And then he went on to tell me about his son. He says, my son served in the military. And I said, oh, that's great. He says, yes, uh, he, and he talked about all of the accommodations and decorations and laudatory things that his son had done through these recent wars that we have gone through. And then he said he retired one year ago, and the day after his retirement, he committed suicide. I heard a little voice say, what is suicide? It means that this person took their own life. And folks, you have to be ready. Do you know God is getting you ready for what he has ready for you? And what he has ready for you is people who are dangling a string, and you ought to witness. You ought to be some of the greatest evangelists. This is some of the greatest evangelistic times that we have in our life. Folks, I pray within Tuesday from 9 o'clock till literally 1 o'clock because I went and served uh, seniors after that. 
just loaded up our truck. You know, sometimes, folks, you've got to care enough about people where you go an extra mile. And so, yes, we're closing up here, and we have to serve people who can come to us, but there are people who can't come to us. This is why when we talk about volunteerism, we say, folks, this ain't a one-time-a-year type of thing that you do. And I don't know if you have realized, we've been doing this for the last four years, full speed, almost seven days a week. And we need help. And the greatest help is not in just serving the food. The greatest help is, is in getting the gospel to people. From 9 a.m., well, maybe a little bit earlier than that, probably from 7.30 a.m. to 12.30 or 1.30 p.m., I know I prayed for at least 60 people and most in tears that somebody would care enough to pray. The harvest, the Bible has already told you, it is what? Plentiful. But what's the problem? Labors are few. I don't know what and what's going on in your life, but you are called to be a laborer. Ask yourself, have you been? Will you be? Can you be? You know, on the highway, you know, we chose going down to go down Highway 301. I don't like traveling 95 at that time of the day. Because uh, like my father, who was a South Carolinian, he would always say, where are all these people going, son? I said, I don't know, Daddy. I don't have a clue. But it's a lot of people out there. Don't just get in the crowd and just be finding yourself just going. Get back into the Great Commission and you go ye. So you can reach someone, teach someone, help someone get into the kingdom. And just like that man who told us that story about his son, I knew immediately he was, I had unraveled something and I needed to pray. I knew immediately this man needs to know Jesus. There's no way that the heart can be healed and can, that life can be helped without the help of Jesus Christ. How many of you know Jesus is the way? Jesus is the truth? Jesus is the life. And you and I have been given a wonderful privilege of having this great one who lives on in the inside of us. How many of you know greater is he that is where? In you than anything that we're facing or any other person is facing in this world. And so it's very important for you, for me, to realize why God saved us and what does he want to do with our saved lives. This morning is a part of it. You say, why do you say that, Pastor? Because the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself as the manner of some is, as you see the day approaching. What day is approaching? Jesus is coming back. Give your neighbor a high five and say, Jesus is coming back, baby. He's coming back. But folks, he says, when he comes back, not everybody is going to go back with him. Make sure you're one. Now, this is not just about works, folks. This is about your faith in God. And this is why I want to take you to the book of Ephesians. We finished up the book of Revelation. And thank you for journeying with Pastor for six months to take it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, until we finished the book of Revelation. The Lord immediately said to me, 
Now go to the book of Ephesians. Folks, we need to understand this when it comes to this book of Ephesians, uh, the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. There was something that God was trying to get all of us to see, and even they, at that moment in time in their life, God was trying to get them to see some things. I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter uh, 1. Ephesians chapter 1. If you're looking for a title, um, um, the title is Take What's Yours. Take What's Yours. There's something God has already given you. Take What's Yours. Take What's Yours. So, the first three chapters of this book of Ephesians are about what God has already done for us. I've discovered that the last three chapters of this book is about what our response should be in relationship to what God has done for us. There's a lot said in those two statements. Chapters 1 through 3, we're going to discover what has God done for us. Chapters, the ending or the conclusion of the book of Ephesus is about what should be a Christian response to what God has done for them. But this morning, we only have time to dissect a portion of it, and I want to start it with Ephesians chapter 1 and the 15th verse, and we'll take it down to the 23rd verse. I'm going to be reading perhaps from a King James version of the Bible. Maybe other versions that you have will read similar, but it's going, we're going to find the same truth in it. I believe that you're going to find, and I'll tell you before we read this, what I want you to see out of this is that our eyes need to be open. Say that with me. My eyes need to be open. Say it one more time. My eyes need to be open. What am I trying to get you to see? God has done a lot for us. It's just a matter of us taking what's ours. And a lot of people never take what God has set on the table for them. Never really come to the knowledge of what God has already done. And sometimes we're asking God to do what he's already done. See, God has given you two things, grace and faith. They work together. One is not independent of the other. Though they have different meanings, and we'll talk about that, but you need them to work together. How many of you know faith and work works together? Faith without works is what? Works without faith is what? They need to work together. You know, sodium, too much sodium will kill you. Too much chloride will kill you. But you put the two together and you get something called salt, and it actually can be good for you. How many of you know your body absent of salt? You need salt. You need a certain level of it. Sometimes we just do overdo it. There's always a balance to it. It's always a balance. Now, if you're in Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to start reading at verse number 15. It says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Folks, go back. Just kind of, we're going to be a little slow in this today. Paul says, I heard something about you. 
There ought to always be something that people are hearing coming from you in your living. And it shouldn't be negative stuff. It should be that which relates and help other people relate to Christ. Therefore, I also, after I heard of what? Your faith. People ought to be able to hear about your faith. What is faith? We can say it like this. Put it as simple where I'm trying to get you to is that you ought to hear that you know what it takes to please God. And you do what it takes to please God. The Bible says without faith, Hebrews, right? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. People ought to hear about your faith in God. A lot of people like you to hear about what they do. Your faith in God is about what he's done. Say what he's done. Say it again. What he's done. Say it one more time. What he has done. Which means it's already completed. He didn't actually even need your help. But he likes for you to come alongside in the victory that he's giving you. Therefore, also I also... After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and, define the word and, <laughs> in conjunction with. In other words, you know what it takes to please God. And God says along with that, you need to have a love for people. You need to have a love for people. And there are sometimes when people love stuff. Now, I don't mind telling you, I'm a straightforward person. I just don't give a lot of attention to foolishness. If you want to act the fool, I'm going to let you just act the fool by yourself. I am just not going to stick around for foolishness. And many times I'm not even going to respond to foolish things that people say. And they'll say, well, pastor's kind of stuck up. Nope, pastor's trying to stay holy as God is holy. And there are some times when God just say, zip your lip. Because if you let your lip loose, you might say something to somebody that they might not recover from. So zip it, son. So I zip it. I just zip it and move on. How many of you know God says sometimes you are going to knock on the door, people, trying to get them to come to Christ, and they ain't going to hear you? Shake the dust off and keep the stepping. You know, Martin Payne used to say, get the stepping. Well, sometimes you just have to get the stepping so that you don't step into a mess. Amen? Everybody say, be holy. Sometimes to remain holy, you just have to remain in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, the Bible says, you're going to still get your joy because there's a fullness of joy. Paul said, I heard about your faith and I heard about your love. Folks, I'm saying to you, if anybody is speaking anything to me about you, this is what I want to hear them say. They're talking about your faith and they're talking about your love. 
Most of the time, people think counseling is to come and tell pastor about their troubles. It really is what Paul says, this is what I heard. I'm hearing about your faith. I'm hearing about your love. Come on, let's go a little further. Y'all looking at me funny now. Do not cease. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Do you know people are thankful for people who love God? Thankful for people who love people. I'm thankful for people who are servants of the Most High God. I'm thankful for people who have joy, and the joy of the Lord is their strength. I'm thankful for people who aren't caught up in hearing their name. You know, I realize that sometimes you've heard it said oftentimes, I don't want to call anybody's name because if I don't call somebody's name, somebody's going to get upset with me. And it's so true. That's so true. Because therefore, it brings the question, whatever you did, did you do it to the glory of God? Or did you do it so that you could be recognized and your name could be called and you could strut like a peacock across the front? See, the Bible says people are doing things for God. The right hand don't even know what the left hand is doing. They're not focused on getting recognition. They're focused on what? Doing the will of God. And so Paul says, I'm thankful to find people like this. And he found them in the church of Ephesus. He said, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I love calling the name of Jesus, and I love calling your name before the throne room of God. Let's take it a little bit further, Alfred. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, we're going to rest there for a while. You understand? Paul says, I'm praying for you. But this is what I'm praying. I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you something. And what is it he wanted God to give to the people? Give them the spirit of wisdom, God. Give them the spirit of revelation, God. Give people a knowledge. How many of you know why we perish as people? God says, my people perish for a lack of what? Knowledge. I don't know God. You need to know God, and when you know God, you can then make God known. That's how it works. You know God. You get to know him personally, intimately, eternally, and then you share it with somebody else. You share it with somebody like I met yesterday whose heart is broken. Son has committed suicide. Don't know what to do. Tears in his eyes, and you get to share the goodness of the Lord. How I many ever somebody shout good news? good news? Everything about Jesus is good news. To a person in darkness, to a person in pain, everything about Jesus, but you got to know Jesus to talk about Jesus. You got to know him. Come on, let's go a little bit further. Let's dig this out. It's 23 verse. And the eyes, he says, I'm praying that you get the spirit of wisdom, that you get the spirit of revelation. And what else did he say? I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. 
that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now we really got to dissect this one. Folks, a lot of time we are praying and thinking that we are praying so that God would respond to us. And God is saying, you already have that. Amen. I've already made that possible for you on the cross. What I need you is to take what's yours. Oftentimes I, I hear people praying and, and it sounds like they're begging God to do something. God says, you ain't got to beg me for nothing. I've already provided it. All you have to do is come get it. All you have to do is take what's yours. Come on, go back. Go back even from the very beginning. Genesis, book of Genesis. There's a man named Adam. There's a man, lady named what? Eve. Do you know God had provided everything that Adam and Eve? If you understand the Bible, God did not make man until he made every other thing. Because why? He had made provisions for them before they ever came on the planet. Look, if it had not been for God, they would have been treading water all day long. God hadn't made the land yet. You understand what I'm saying? The earth was void and without form. And then God said, I'm making something. How many of you know when you go to heaven, God said, I have already prepared a place for you in my house. I've already prepared many mansions for my people. God's already prepared for you what you need. It's a matter of understanding that you need to respond in a way by faith that says, God, I believe what you said. I believe what you told me that you have for me. Say, what's mine? I'm taking it today. Healing is yours. You just got to take it today. Prosperity is yours. You just got to grab a hold of it today. How do I grab a hold of it? By faith. I believe what God says. Oh, this is not coming into manifestation yet, or this is not coming. I don't care. God said it. It's settled. All I need to do is believe it and receive it. How many of you know that God says, when you stand praying, believe that you what? Receive. Somebody said, well, seeing is believing. No, that's not faith at all. How many of you believe that I have on a pink shirt with a white collar? How many people believe that? You know that's a trick question. You don't have to believe it. You know it. If you got eyesight, you know it. You know the shirt is pink. Now, on television, I don't know how your color is, but it's a pink shirt with white collars. No, it's a blue and pink tie. You don't have to believe that. You can see that. It's, it's already manifest. See, what faith is, I don't see it, but I don't need to see it to believe it. Anybody, everybody in here, how many of you believe you have a brain? Raise your hand if you believe you have a brain. Now, let me ask by show of hand, how many of you seen it? How many seen your brain? 
Yeah, some of y'all got ready to raise your hand again. Watch out with these questions. You have never seen your brain. But you don't need somebody to come in and say, well, I'm going to have to give you a lobotomy so you can know that you have a brain. Say, I know it. And Every promise in God's word, you need to have it where you know it. That's why he was praying that you would get the spirit of what? Wisdom. That you would get a spirit of what? Revelation. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. In other words, you need to see it the way God said it. You need to receive it the way God has already presented it on the table for you. He said, he's already prepared a table for you. Come on, get your blessing. Get your anointing. Get everything that he died that you might have. God says, I come that you might have what? And that you might have it what? Oh, y'all know the word. See, that's why our prayers have to line up with the word. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what the hope of his calling. See, and oftentimes, as I said, I, I listen to people praying. It's like you're begging for God to do something. Well, pastor, I'm waiting on my healing. Why? Why? Why are you waiting? Go take what's yours. The devil doesn't want your body to be healed, but go take it. So how, how can I do that, Pastor? You, you're just kind of like you're talking all over the place. No, I'm not. Go take it. Go take it. How do you take it? With the words. The Bible says, we are ensnared. Anybody know what the word ensnared means? You're trapped. By what? The words of our own mouth. I'm catching the cold. I might as well give you a big old mitt because that's what you're about to catch. Your own words, you have ensnared yourself. Rather than saying what Jesus said, by his stripes. Say, Pastor, is it just that simple? It really is. And I find that people make the word of God very complicated, and it's not. We, make his, we, 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 we do what's contrary to what God is saying. Take it down a little further, Alpha, for me. You'll see it. He says, I'm praying that you will be able to understand what, the, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power. Do you notice that everything is talking about what he's done, what he's done, what he's done, not what you've done. Not what you've done. And that's why it's not about your works. It's a wonderful thing to do the works of ministry, but it's about receiving what he has already made and appropriated to you. According to the workings of his mighty power. Next verse, if I could, verse, verse 20. Look at this. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. A little bit further. Far above. 
far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come or in the age to come. Now, go back to that scripture for you just, just a second, Alvin. Thank you. How many of you know that you've got to connect this scripture to a scripture that it says, you are not wrestling against what? But against what? Now, what is he trying to tell you? What is Paul saying that in praying for the people? That they would understand that God has raised you up far above these principalities. All of this evil power and might that's trying to come against you. God has say, I'm seated, I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above, not beneath. I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We've got to know that. See, if the devil can ever blind your mind to think that you are defeated, to get you to murmuring and to complaining, this is why whenever I hear somebody murmuring and complaining, I try to give them something right away that's from the Word of God and say, get your mind on this, get your conversation on this. Because you've now got to set your conversation right. I mean, you know, the Bible says do all things without what? Murmuring and complaining. Look, I know in life you can come across some jacked up people. I say it just like that. But God said, but I don't want you to lose what I've given you. Based on what you've encountered from that person, the retaliation that you've gotten from that person, the criticism from you that you got. How many of you know the Bible says, no weapon formed against you can prosper. And every tongue that rise up against you in judgment, who will deal with it? God will. Do you have to deal with it? No. What do you need to do? Keep your mind. Stay on Jesus and he will keep you but it's my husband keep your mind stay on it's my wife keep your mind stay on it's my children pastor they acting like baby kids keep your mind stay on Jesus and he will keep you in Well, you know a brother or a sister got feelings, Pastor. Yep. Yep. Yep, you do. See, this is where you are now growing when you can bring every imagination into subjection to the Word of God. Even your feelings. All God's children got feelings. But you can't live by feeling. Walk by, Faith. not by, Faith. or feeling. And if you're walking by faith, what's coming to your remembrance is what the Word says do. How many of you know that's why he gave you the Holy Ghost? Because the Holy Ghost will do what? Bring all thing to your remembrance. What things do you think God is trying to bring and get you to remember? What does the word say? What does the word say? Come on, we can follow the example of Jesus himself. The devil comes. The literal devil comes to tempt Jesus. 
And every time the devil tries to tempt him, tries to get him to go outside of the will of God, what does Jesus do? Jesus said, it is Turn the stones into bread. Come on, I ate some Bojangles biscuits Friday night. They were good. But man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, God wants you to have life, but if you're going to have this life, this life is coming from every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How many know you can't eat all them biscuits anyway? Them biscuits start turning on you. You like them too? Okay. Way to go, brother. <laughs> but I can't eat but so many. That's like once a month. So I had my biscuit quota. And Jesus said, look, I'm not living. Faith read a scripture. I don't know if you all got it this morning. Jesus said, I'm living on something that you can't fashion with hands. Jesus was living on something that, because he was like, where are you getting your bread from? How many of you know bread comes down from heaven? God can rain bread down from heaven. God can feed you like nobody else can feed you. I don't care who you know that can cook well and you like to go to their house and eat. Go to the table of God and eat from the table. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm telling you, he's that way all the time too. I don't know about you, but if I found a house that I like to eat at or a restaurant I like to eat, I go back. You ought to keep going back to the table of the Lord. He never runs out. He never said, hey, I got to package this up because I know Juan Pablo's coming over. He got enough for Juan Pablo and he got enough for Horace too. Glory to God. And he got enough for you, 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 and every one of us. His grace is sufficient, church. Look at this, verse 22. Verse 22, Alfred, thank you. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Who's head over all things? Jesus. Everything that pertains to the church, say, I'm the church. Say it again, I'm the church. Don't ever get in your mind that a church is a building. You are the church. You are the temple of God. You are the church. The church is, see, bricks and mortar and sticks and stones, they're going to fall and fade away. But God's church, built on God's word, won't fade away. Amen? Hallelujah. And he put all things under his feet, which means they are what? Under your feet. If I could help you, come here, Juan Pablo. The Bible says Jesus is the head. You and I are the what? So if he put all things under his feet and we are his body, 
Where are things for us? Under our feet. And we are in him. And he's in us. And the devil is beneath us. And you have to keep him beneath you. Under your feet. Come on, stomp on the devil with me. Amen. Sometimes you just have to know you got to stomp on the devil's head. I like it, buddy. <laughs> Glory to God. You got to stump on the devil's head. How does one stump on the devil's head? Now, what for one problem that I'm doing, that won't do anything. The devil say, what's wrong with them? <laughs> we stump on his head, just like Jesus stumped on his head with the word. With the word. The word has to be nigh you, even in your mouth. Folks, this is why it's important. You know, yesterday we started a Bible study with men, and, and I know some of you may have just forgotten that we were, we were going to start at 5 o'clock yesterday, and even from Raleigh, North Carolina, I was online with men so that we could do our Bible study starting. There are some times I'm going to have to meet with you face-to-face, -face, men, because there are some testimonies that you've got to hear. You just got to hear. They are recorded testimonies of men of God that have had some tremendous setbacks, but have had some tremendous breakthroughs. Everybody shout, bounce. bounce. See, every one of God's children ought to know how to bounce. That ain't a new dance. But it's to give you an illustration. Anybody ever had one of them little rubber balls? And, and, and how many of you know the harder you throw that little rubber ball down? And see, every now and then, the devil is going to try to slam you. But every time he tries to slam you, you bounce. You got to bounce back. And this is why it is so important for us to make sure in our lesson for the men was what God spoke about Abraham. He says, Abraham, I chose you because you will command your house. Now, folks, that don't mean that you men, that don't mean that you go out and talk about, I'm the boss of this house. You ain't the boss of nothing unless you're under Christ. You are going to be like that, that, that man that we heard about. There's a man talking all noisy and arrogant. I'm the head of my house. I'm the head of my house. And his wife says to him, well, why don't you come from under the bed and tell me that yourself? <laughs> We're not talking about an arrogant thing. We're talking about men who lose their house spiritually. And we talked about things like men who pray. Men who go through the word with their family. Men who stand on the promises of God. Men who are out. Not having to be second, but actually being first and taking that stance on behalf of that family. Why? Because God has put all things under his feet, which means they're under our feet. And he's gave him to be head over all things to the church. Say, God is my head. He's the head of your life. I don't have any problem when people get up and say, Jesus is the head of my life. Because that is true. But you just need to surrender and let him be that, though. Don't get out in front of God. Let's go to the very last verse of this, this, this text. Which is, his, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What am I trying to say to you this morning is simply that God wants you to respond to what he has already done. This is why it would behoove you to be in these Bible studies as we take this book of Ephesus apart 
and help you to see verse by verse, line by line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, what God has done for you. And God has done great things. Somebody shout great things. Great shout it again. Great things. Great and you should be expecting, just like the song said this morning, you should be expecting great things. In the book of Matthew eleven twelve, you don't have to turn there. It says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. They take it by force. Every child in here this morning, come up here. Every child in the church this morning, come up here. Every child in the church, come up here. Now, if you consider yourself grown, you sit on down. But every child in the church, no, stay right there. Stay right there. Stay right there. Wow. That's a lot of children. Come on, give them a hand. Don't, don't. Glory to God. Now, children, turn and face me for just a moment. This is, this is a, I, I started to take out a dollar bill, but dollar bill don't mean too much to kids no more. So I took out a $20 bill. Now, this, this is anybody's that wanted. It's, it, it belongs to anybody that wants it. I want it. It belongs to anybody that wants it. It belongs to anybody that wants it. It belongs to anybody that wants it. Whew. Tell everybody what your name is. He says his name is Nate. Did you all see what Nate did? Nate took it. Some of you all just looked. It was yours. And you just looked. It, it could have been yours. You could have got a chair. You could have got... you. But you limited yourself to just looking, yet it was right there for you. And Nate had no shame in his game. Jumped up, grabbed my arm, yanked it down, and took it. And sometimes, folks, you have to be assertive, intentional. Say, get your blessing. Say it again, get your blessing. You have to get your blessing in. Sometimes, folks, you, uh, there were songs that were sang back in the day, and one of them was intentional. You have to be in. Nate was intentional about getting $20. There is a song that T.D. Jakes and Shirley Caesar did, and it said, I'm taking it back, I'm taking it back, I'm taking back what the devil stole. Some of you have let the devil steal from you. It always belonged to you. All right, go back and sit down. Give him a hand. If anytime somebody do that illustration again, kids, you jump, you leap, you get a chair, you do whatever it takes. 
And folks, this is what we're trying to say. You need to do whatever it takes to get your blessing. If it requires prayer and fasting, pray and fast, but get your blessing. If it requires you just laying prostrate on the floor and saying, God, I thank you because I know that you have blessed me. You have blessed me. Your word says that you bless me. Do what it takes, but get your blessing because it's there. God has already done it. Say it's been done. By his stripes, you not are. It's past tense. That's why when you hear me saying to you, when you tell me I'm waiting to get my blessing, Pastor, it's like you shouldn't be waiting. Because you watch all those children watch and see it there. And some of them just looked and smiled. They looked very mannerable. And some of y'all look very humble and Christian-like. But you're not being blessed because you're not going and taking what's yours. You know what the title of this message is? Take what's yours. Take back what the devil stole from you. Learn what God has promised you and get your blessing. Get your blessing. I'm probably going to have to get a lot of 20 bills from Stephen Graham back there so I can give all the kids a 20. <laughs> Brody, can you help him out? <laughs> oh, glory to God. But the violent take it by force, church. In Ephesians 2.8, which is just over a chapter from where we're at, in Ephesians 2 8 it says for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God let me just say this I wanted to make sure that you know you're not saved by grace and I hear a lot of people say but you were saved by grace that's not quite true it is grace involved but you're saved by that faith that you have in what God has already done. And it's grace. It's the unmerited. How many of you know you don't deserve what you're getting? I mean, the goodness that God is providing you, you haven't done anything to deserve that kind of goodness. What did Nate do to deserve the $20? Did he have to work to get it? Other than just taking what was already available. He had enough faith to believe that I wasn't lying to him, that if he reached out and take it, it was his. Did I take it back from him? Do you think I'm going to be waiting till the end of the church and say, well, Nate, <laughs> jack him up and get the $20 back? God is not doing stuff like that to his people. When God says he's going to bless you, he's going to bless you. He says, I'm going to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or even think. Look at your name and say, I'm loved. Say it again, I'm loved. Say it again, I'm loved. You're loved by Jesus. If you've been through a week where you didn't think anybody loved you, let me tell you, that's a lie. God loves you. Yeah, you might be right. People didn't love you like they should have loved you. But God did. God will. 
He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never withdraw his love from you. See, people are kind of funny like that. They love you one day, and then they talk about, I fell out of love. How did you do that? Always when I hear that, it's kind of like you've made love like a pit. I fell in. I fell in love. What do you mean you fell in? I've fallen out. What do you mean? You had a falling out. But love, you've heard it for years. Love is a choice. Everybody say it. Love is a choice. The problem is that one day we wake up and we choose not to love that person. Come on, go back to John 3.16. Put it into balance now in your life. God so loved the world. Who was so righteous at that time? All had sinned, the Bible said. All had fallen short of the glory of God. So every now and then you're going to get somebody that's sinned. You're going to find somebody in your life that falls short of what you expect. But you will never find God falling short of his word. And he's going to say to you, let the mind that was in Christ be in you also. What's the mind of Christ? Somebody tell me what you believe the mind of Christ is. Somebody's just mistreated you, just done you wrong. What do you think the mind of Christ is? Some of y'all talking real low now. You're like the kids standing up here looking at me with $20. You're talking real low now. God's just going to love you. There's a time where he will correct you, but he's still going to love you. There's a time where he's going to hold you accountable for what you've done. Look, I often like to use the example of the woman who was caught in adultery. The Bible says caught in the very act of it. Lawfully, everyone who picked up a stone lawfully could have thrown it at her. Lawfully. They lawfully could have stoned this woman to death out in the street. Lawfully. Lawfully. But Jesus was showing them a higher way. And he looked at them and he spoke to them and conviction came on them when he said, he who is without sin, let him... Go ahead and throw your rock. That's what he was saying. Go ahead and throw your rock. And the Bible said all the time, he's just kneeling down, writing in the sand. Man, I would love to have been a fly on the wall that day to see what would he writing in the sand. Because you know what I think he was doing? He was writing down all their sins. And they thought, oh, Lord, he knows that. He knows what I did last night. He knows what I did last week, last month, last year. I believe that whatever he wrote, somebody could see their sin in it. And all of a sudden, it's like, I ain't got no right to have no stone in my hand throwing at nobody. Not after what I've done. And I'm for, say, I'm forgiven. I'm say it again, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Folks, I got to stop this message now. 
I'm going to pick it up on Wednesday because we're going to be from a teaching standpoint, question and answer standpoint, and we need to see what is it that God has done for us. And then when we get to the latter part of this book of Ephesus, we're going to see what is supposed to be a Christian response to what God has done for each one of us. Hey, say, he's done great things. Say it one more time. He has done great things. God has done great things. He's going to do some great things in your life today. He's going to do some great things in your life each and every day. You can depend on God. But I just want to ask you the question, can he depend on you? Why don't you bow your heads for just a moment? We're going to get ready to receive communion. But the Bible tells us before we ever receive communion, we need to examine our hearts. The Bible says you and I need to judge ourselves. I've been doing a pretty intense study on this thing called judgment. And I, I really believe that you and I can't judge any other person, shouldn't judge any other person. When it comes to judgment, we are always supposed to be judging ourselves. And that's what I'm asking you to do right now. Close your eyes for just a moment. Why do preachers ask people to bow their head and close their eyes? Because we're trying to get you not to be distracted. There's nothing biblical about closing your eyes, but there is something practical about it. Because if you don't close your eyes, sometimes you're watching your phone, you're writing notes, you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing, and God can't get your undivided attention. God wants your undivided attention. So I'm going to ask you out of all due respect, please bow your head. Please just close your eyes. And then examine yourself. And David said, God, I need your help even in this. And David said, Lord, search my heart. See if there is any sin in me. And if there be, Lord, lead me to the way that is everlasting. Because I, I, I honestly believe that sometimes we don't even see the sin that we're in. How many of you have been looking for an object and it's been right there in front of you? But you didn't see it. And sometimes there can, we can be doing things that are contrary to the will and the word of God. And don't even know it. And that's why we need God's help even to help us to see when we are sinning. Here's how I feel about sin. God has taken care of all your sin. He just simply wants you to embrace the fact that he is faithful and just to forgive you. So if you miss it, I'm not bringing you to a place where you condemn yourself. I'm just bringing you to a place where you ask God, Lord, I see it. And I ask you to forgive me. Give, forgive me of whatever ever I've trespassed against in your kingdom, God, whatever I've omitted to do in your kingdom, God, because I want to be pure. I want to be holy. I want to be right with God. And Jesus instituted this sacred time that we're about to engage in called communion so that we might always set ourselves in remembrance that I've been washed, that I've been forgiven, that a sacrifice has been made. And Jesus made that sacrifice. Shed his blood. Allowed his body to be pierced in the side. 
Although he told us, I could have called 10,000 angels and they would have come and ministered to me. But he loved us so much that he told the angels, no, no, I must do this so that my people might be free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That woman we were talking about who was caught in the act of adultery, do you know what Jesus did? He just set her free. But he said to her as she was going, go and sin no more. What do you think God wants you to do? He says simply go free. Be free in Jesus, but sin no more. And how do you overcome? How will I overcome that temptation to do wrong again? The Bible says you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So what are you testifying? I'm testifying about what Jesus has done for me. He set me free. He's redeemed me. He says, as the redeemed of God, they say so. Keep saying so. Keep reminding whoever you need to remind, and especially the devil, you are a child of God. You belong to Jesus. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. The ushers are going to come to the aisles now. You may look up and they're going to be passing out the communion elements. We want you to take one. We don't want you to take it right away. We want you to hold on to it until we can all take it together. We would simply ask you to take that little cup, shake well before use. We're going to ask you to take out the wafer that's on the top. If you are having a little bit of struggle opening it, ask the neighbor to help you. But take that wafer and we're going to take the bread together. We're going to take the juice together. We're going to commune together. We're going to have a conversation with God. We're going to communicate with God because of the blood of Jesus. We're going to come in union with God and with one another because of the blood of Jesus. Communion. Coming into union. Why? Because we were out of fellowship. But because of what Jesus has done. says on the night that Jesus would actually be betrayed knowing that he would be betrayed he took bread and he took a cup and sealed something with his disciples his true followers and he says 
this bread that we're eating represents my body that would be broken for you so that our bodies wouldn't be broken so that we could be complete in him and today when you take this remind yourself I'm complete in Christ I'm complete in Christ not because of works that I've done not because of anything that I have purchased or acquired by my own hands it's all because of what he's done I want you to take the bread together now, giving thanks unto the Lord. Likewise, in the same manner, the Bible says he took the cup and he said, this cup represents my blood that would be shed for the remission or the forgiveness of your sins. Father, we thank you. The Bible says our sins were like scarlet, but yet God loved us. And God forgave us. Father, thank you for helping us to have the mind that was in Christ when it comes to other people. That we will hold no art against any human being. That we will be faithful and just to forgive. Because your words says that if we don't forgive, neither will our Father in heaven forgive us of our trespasses. So we purpose this day, Father God, to be kind, to be tenderhearted, and encouragers of our brethren. And we thank you that we are part of the family of God. Why don't you take the cup now together in Jesus' name, giving thanks. Stand to your feet with us. Oh, the blood of Jesus. to him that is able to keep us and to present us faultless before the throne of his grace. May the blessings of the Lord come upon you and your household. You were blessed when you came in. You are blessed when you're going out. We are going out to be a blessing. We are going out to be the evangelist that God needs every one of us to be. That there is someone waiting whose string is dangling. And if we pull it, it'll unravel. And then we can help them to get clothed in Christ. So, Father, thank you for the word that is nigh us and is going to be in our mouth as we purpose to take the gospel of Jesus Christ as far and as fast as possible into the uttermost parts of the earth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.